Portions of the following podcast have been redacted. You're welcome. It was a few months after Diane's second husband passed that she turned the television on. It was one of those decisions that you don't really think about, and if you do give any thought, would tell yourself is temporary. A stopgap. I just need this today, but tomorrow I'll learn to be clean, to be honest, and to live in silence. Diane had lived most of her noisy life in upstate New York, but it probably would not surprise you to learn that both of her parents grew up in Columbia, Missouri. She'd turn her TV off tomorrow. But her television stayed on. It was a friend that required nothing from her, which was good, because she had nothing to give. And through the countless sleepless nights where her body begged for, well, sleep, her mind remained alert, and her television kept her company. This reporter is not going to try and claim that, among the millions of television owners throughout the United States, there doesn't exist at least one whose first choice in programming is, in fact, the infomercial. That person most likely exists, and has also most likely purchased many things that they have no use for, like the magic bullet, or the slap chop. Diane, however, was not that person. It took her several months of working her way through the various genres of television that her digital antenna could pick up before that night that she went to bed with her local CW affiliate on and woke up at 4.14 in the morning to a group of nice-looking people doing a kung-fu-inspired workout called Sean Fu. She blearily listened to Sean Goldberg, CEO and president of Sean Fu Workouts LLC, as he spoke at great length, yet without any detail, about how his patented Sean Move system resulted in the highest possible muscle tone and stretching, with the lowest possible impact. So this is what my life has become, I guess, thought Diane. Several middle-aged white women then talked about how Sean Fu had changed their life. Each said something to the effect of, and not just my public life either, if you know what I mean. Which annoyed Diane because she did know what they meant. It felt like they were bragging, which, you know, they were. And Diane would have been having sex too, if her husband wasn't dead. Details. After Sean Fu, there was an ad for a knife that had 12 blades, which, according to the very excited young man that Diane recognized, who was probably a celebrity, but she couldn't think of his name, made the knife easier to clean. Pretty soon that ad ended as well and Diane found herself alert and awake, sitting in front of the television, desperately trying to anticipate what was next. Anyway, this is Bug Spray. Several days later, Diane stood in a carpeted aisle of a store whose acronym name either stands for Consumer Value Store or Convenience Value and Service, depending on which set of facts you choose to believe, and thought deeply about which brand of acetaminophen she was going to purchase. Eventually, she chose the store brand. She suffered from none of the symptoms that the red box in her hand claimed to cure, but rather took the acetaminophen for its side effects. After months of working on this story, this reporter is still unclear what side effects those are. Diane is very open when it comes to most things in her life, but with that, she is oddly cagey. 
extra strength pain relief in hand, she went to go check out. Well, that had been her intention, but she found herself in front of the FaceCorp display, which, she had known immediately when the infomercial had started, was not the kind of thing that she felt comfortable being associated with. Because she didn't have a problem with how she looked. Her wrinkles were wrinkles, sure, but they were also something to be proud of. That's how she felt. Most of the time. After a few seconds of looking at all the FaceCorp products, the most revolutionary of which, Wrinkle Zap, was supposed to, well, zap off all your wrinkles in a matter of weeks, she went to go check out, and on the drive home was able to justify stopping in front of the FaceCorp display as no more than a fact-finding mission. See how those obsessed with their appearance live. It took Diane nine more trips to that very drug-slash-convenience store to actually purchase Wrinkle Zap. And as she was rung up by a cashier who was oddly concerned that she understand that there were, in fact, free flu shots in the pharmacy, she experienced a level of discomfort akin to that of a teenage boy buying a box of condoms for the first time. Because she didn't care how she looked. She was above all that, that pettiness. And she knew the cashier was judging her. She briefly considered telling him that the wrinkle zap was for her sister. But by the time she had come up with that idea, the cashier was already telling the next customer about the free flu shots. Yes, in the pharmacy. As it turns out, wrinkle zap is only one part of the FaceCorp refurbishment anti-aging system, a fact that was mentioned 27 times in the infomercial that Diane saw. Be sure and take advantage of all of FaceCorp's revolutionary products in the anti-aging system package in order to achieve optimal results, said the spokeswoman. But come on, really? Diane thought. I mean, what do I need a soothing selenium serum for? When she was much younger, she'd blasted her acne with benzoyl peroxide for years, which, according to the label, was the active ingredient on Wrinkle Zap, and was quite accustomed to the crackly, stiff, slightly burning sensation that she expected to feel in the morning. But that just meant it was doing its job. When things are truly working, most of the time they hurt, her father, a high school math teacher, had once said. And then he said a whole bunch of other stereotypical Midwestern things, and then went to bed early because this was, quote, good sleeping weather. Anyway, it was with a feeling of slight dismay but even more satisfaction at knowing that she had been right when she assumed that Wrinkle Zap wouldn't do a darn thing, that Diana woke the next morning to find that Wrinkle Zap had done, well, not a darn thing. Her face was neither crackly nor stiff, and there was no burning sensation to be felt. Oh well, she thought. I guess if you're stupid enough to buy it, then... She found herself unable to finish the thought, as it hung in the air not unlike a figurative roll of ribbon flypaper, but soon enough moved on and got on with her day. Well, first she drove back to the acronymed pharmacy and discarded of Wrinkle Zap, in all its overpackaged glory, in the trash can out front so that, should a neighbor or a stray teenager decide it prudent one night to go through the green trash cans out in front of her house, they wouldn't find the topical skin application and therefore wouldn't think less of her or at least think that she cared in any way about her appearance, because she didn't. Life goes on, and Diane did her best to forget that she ever bought Wrinkle Zap. I mean, we all have a list of stupid things that we've bought that we then threw away because we were too embarrassed or ashamed to return them.
And if you're smugly thinking to yourself right now that you don't have a list, well, that's exactly the kind of forgetting that I'm talking about. A few days later, Diane went to the pool, an activity that, on a normal day, would be far too mundane to describe on even this podcast. And as the first half of her pool experience was utterly normal and mundane, I will indeed not describe it. However, towards the halfway point of Diane's experience, she decided that she would like to check out a paddleboard, which is when things got kind of weird. Upon commencing this particular day's pool experience, Diane had not meant to check out a paddleboard. She was a fairly decent swimmer, and as such viewed paddleboards in the same light that many slightly depressed, middle-aged white men view bumpers and bowling. But then she saw the sign that the pool staff had just put out, which said, paddleboards, and she thought, no, I don't need one. Ten minutes later, however, she was standing at the snack bar driver's license in hand, trying to get the attention of a child that, according to pool rules, had to be 16 years of age or above, but couldn't have been older than 11. I'd like a paddleboard, please, she said, in English. I here clarify the language in which she spoke to the young person, as well as the fact that there is every indication that said young person was likewise an American English native speaker, because it is important to know that what happened next was not the result of any sort of language or otherwise auditory barrier. The young person came over to the window, looked at her, took her ID, looked at it, gave her ID back to her, shrugged, said sorry, and went back to his perch on the ice cream freezer. It was as if nothing had happened. And Diane stood there. She wasn't really stunned, as the word stunned would seem to imply that there was some sort of grave consequence to her being denied rental of a blue, styrofoam board upon which she could semi-float when it was submerged in water. That evening, while watching Wheel of Fortune, she decided that she regretted not pushing back. She should have gone to the young person's manager who, one could hope, was at the very least 16 years of age, and complain. But that's not what happened. What happened was that she went back into the pool, swam the rest of her laps, and then left. There was nothing she could do about what happened during her pool experience that day. Or nothing that, you know, would amount to anything. This reporter would be the first to admit that it's fun to yell at teenagers, especially when they've wronged you. But in the end, what does it actually accomplish? But she had been wronged elsewhere. And so she googled FaceCorp and composed a letter. Thank you for your submission. We appreciate you contacting us. Please be aware that FaceCorp, a Bergman company, receives far more correspondence than we have the capability of responding to. We are not ignoring you because of some flaw within your person. You're just likely not important enough for us to spend any time on. Have a pleasant day. And that was that. Well, at least, Diane thought, she had done something, and had received some sort of response, which is more than she could say about that time that she tried to contact her congressional representatives. That's a story for another day, though. But that wasn't really that, because weird things continued to happen. 
For instance, the next day Diane received a notice from her internet slash cable company that they were terminating her service immediately. As they had evidence that she was running some sort of spam bot slash phishing scam through her dial-up modem and well, if the internet slash cable company were to allow the spam slash phishing scam to continue, then they as a company would have to do some quote, serious soul searching regarding the ethics and morals of their particular product. But with her new, I'm not going to be fucked with attitude, Diane picked up her telephone and called the internet slash cable company. But of course her telephone did not work as when her internet and cable had been disconnected, so too had her phone. She let out an expletive regarding the internet slash cable slash landline phone company and thought about what her next move would be because she wasn't going to be fucked with. Amen. So she drove to the acronymed pharmacy slash cosmetics dealership which had one of the few remaining payphones out front, and called the internet slash cable slash landline phone company from there. She reached a very nice person named Josh, who eagerly said that he would try and see what he could do to resolve the situation, and that he was trying to get custody of his two children, which was a whole separate issue, and then that he was sorry, but while there was a record of someone possessing her name paying their monthly bills, on time, he happily added, there was, in fact, nothing he could do as there was no record of her. And then he asked if there was anything else he could do for her. And then Diane hung up the phone. Not to keep harping on a point that has been discussed in previous episodes of this very podcast, but loneliness sucks. It's one of those feelings that you often don't realize you're experiencing until it's absent from your life. Diane hadn't felt lonely, or at least identified her feelings as such, since her second husband had passed. She'd felt deep sorrow, remorse, and pain, but not loneliness. But as she stood out in front of the acronymed pharmacy slash receipt emporium and watched people, families go in and out, and cars pass by, she felt utterly, emphatically, irresistibly alone. Her second husband had ceased existing two months ago, when he was struck by a truck full of typewriters. That was a fact. She had a government-issued document in her living room that proved it. There was a seal and everything. But at that moment, leaning up against the payphone, she began to doubt her existence as well. Which, we can all agree, is a silly thing to do. Because of course she existed. She was clearly there breathing, thinking, you know, existing. It's just... That evening, she went to bed, and her face burned. For everything in the world seems slightly off, unbalanced. And when that happens, you cling to what you know. She lay there for a few moments, listening to the cars pass by, and then turned the television on. There was Sean Goldberg, this time selling a vacuum cleaner that could also double as a lawn sprinkler. Diane smiled. Sean felt like an old friend. She closed her eyes. The door to her bedroom flung open, and three masked figures entered. They worked swiftly and without error. Call now because your time is running out, said Sean Goldberg. 
You don't want to miss this amazing offer. The empty house creaked and moaned and buckled, and Sean Goldberg smiled. In a few days, the power would be turned off in the house, and he too, in all his digital glory, would cease existing, which is a nice thing to know, if you're capable of knowing anything at all, which Sean Goldberg wasn't, because he didn't actually exist. But Diane existed, or at least she had when she had been inside of our house. But now that she wasn't, well. And if you stop and listen, and the world seems like it's ending, take a moment. Notice the breeze and the sunset, and your friends and loved ones around you. Because it probably is ending. But hopefully not by the time the next episode of this thing comes out because the story is going to continue. Bug Spray is written, directed, and produced by Scott Gooden, with music by B. Norman Clature. This is, of course, a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner, or possibly both. Visit bugspraypod.com for more information and subscribe to Bugspray on iTunes. And if you are so inclined, follow the new Twitter handle, which is at bugspraypod. It's 2017. No fear. Resist. Fight back.